You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today we are joined by Justin Bett, a man who is disrupting fatherhood. Justin is the founder of Daddy Saturday, a movement to restore fatherhood by creating intentional dads who raise good kids that become great adults. Daddy Saturday started in Justin's backyard with his four children and has grown to become an international movement, engaging fathers through omni-channels including YouTube video, social media, the Daddy Saturday book, an Alexa skill, podcast, merchandise, keynotes, and live events. Through the Daddy Saturday Foundation, Justin's goal is to impact 10 million fathers in the next 10 years and eliminate fatherlessness. Justin, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Samantha. So good to be here. So we're connected on LinkedIn, and I'm honestly not exactly sure how we crossed paths, but I'm so glad we did because I love your mission to create and I know I just said this, but it's so powerful. I've got to say it again. Create intentional dads who raise good kids that become great adults. That is powerful. Well, thank you. It's um, certainly my passion and my calling and something that I wake up in the morning thinking about and go to bed at night thinking about. So we've got a, a large opportunity here in our culture to make that impact. I couldn't agree more. And I think most parents have the intention of raising good children with the hopes that they'll grow to be great adults. So what makes Daddy Saturday different? Well, I think you put a key word in there and that's hope, right? There's really Mm -hmm. no guarantee. Hope isn't a strategy, but there's no guarantee just because you raise a good kid that they're going to be a great adult. But as you can see, there's also a play on words there. Most people want to have great kids. And, you know, I would rather have a good kid who becomes a great adult because I've given them a foundation. I've given them a model to follow as their father. I've poured into them over the years. And because of that foundation, if you train them up in the way that they should go, they don't depart from it when they get older, or there's less likely of a chance. You're still going to have those kids that stray. But if you do it a certain way in parenting, you have much less likelihood of that happening in adulthood. And you know, my platform and how um, we choose to, to do that is by impacting fatherlessness because as we know most of societal ills in adulthood are caused by the lack of a father in the home or a disengaged father in the home Hmm. and obviously intentionality is a major theme for you it seems to be at the crux of major changes you've made in your life so not only with daddy saturday but as an individual you've changed the way you approach your faith your family your fitness, and even your finances. So how has being intentional had a positive impact on some of those areas? Well, I think that when you, when you have a focused intensity on something over a, an extended period of time, you have the ability to have dramatic change happen. And that's what intentionality is all about. It's maximizing the time you have with your kids. It's maximizing the time you have with your health. It's maximizing the money that you have in your finances. Um, and it's maximizing, in my case, the relationship with the, with the Lord and my faith. So, you know, I think that in all of those areas, I just found that I wasn't achieving the results that I had intended for myself. Specifically mm-hmm. in fatherhood, I was that corporate America dad who was coming home after a long week, oftentimes traveling, exhausted, tired on Friday nights. My wife has a couture bridal boutique, and 
it's caused her to work almost every Saturday for the last decade. And so I'd have my kids all by myself on Saturday and found that I wasn't being intentional. I was kind of just waking up and had a, a dad hangover, if you will, and had engaged my kids all day on Saturday. And I wasn't showing up like the dad I wanted to. And so I started to apply intentionality. And for me, that was just really creating a game plan for our day and focusing on the ways that I could create these epic moments with my children. And in doing so, our relationship grew, our communication grew, and those memories and those moments certainly grew as well. And, um, and that's the, the genesis um, of Daddy Saturday. I love it. You talked earlier about Daddy Hangover, which I think is hilarious. And as a daughter, I've definitely felt the daddy hangover from both my dad and my stepdad. I know that it could just be so much to balance work and family. And, you know, after a day of entertaining of of what that can look and feel like from the child's perspective. But when you kind of came to the realization that something had to change, was it a light bulb sort of aha moment or was it more of a gradual realization? I think for me, I I tend to be the the lightning bolt kind of moment person. Um, I'm a, I'm a driver. I'm a, you know, a a very 110% kind of person in everything that I do. So for me, um, you've got to slow me down sometimes or I have to have those lightning bolt bolt moments to make me have a perspective shift. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I'll remember a day where we just had one of those Saturdays where it just didn't go well. Um, I would try to engage the kids. Um, They were kind of disengaged. I was disenfranchised. And it was just at the end of one of those days, I just kind of sat down and said, I was meant for more than this as a dad. Like this is not what I imagined as a father. I'm doing my best to support my wife and let her work. I'm here for my kids all day, but just because I'm here doesn't mean I'm, I'm fully here and present. And so it was one of those moments. And then, uh, we started Daddy Saturday, we began doing it, and then I really had another lightning bolt moment that, that changed everything for me. We'd had this epic Daddy Saturday, and I tell this story in the book, and there were toys all over the yard and the remnants of our, our epic day together and all the activities that we, we had done. And the kids were exhausted, it was in the afternoon, and they'd gone in the house to just chill out for a little bit. And I was outside picking up all the toys. And I'm bending down, picking up these toys and every single toy I picked up, I started to grumble under my breath. Like, why am I doing this? This is why I had four <laughs> kids so they could help me do this. You know, they should be out here, help me pick this up. And they started to be a burden to me. And then all of a sudden I had a lightning bolt moment. It was a perspective shift. And it was this, it was, Justin, you got a choice. You can treat your kids as a blessing or as a burden. They can be an inconvenience or they can be your assignment. The choice is yours, but you have to actively make that choice. And you know, I looked at those toys and all of a sudden my entire perspective changed and I saw them as the blessing. They were the, the remnants of our day that we just had together. And it was so epic. We had an amazing day as, as father and, and my four children. So, you know, that perspective shift was, was everything for me and, and so much so that I included it in the book and it's a big part of the platform today. I think that's so beautiful and kudos to you because I, I am friends with a lot of parents. I'm not a parent myself, but I know that there's a certain stigma or guilt that comes with the thought of, oh, my kids are are kind of a burden from time to time. And if you get stuck in that mindset, then I can understand where the guilt starts to creep in and where, you, you know, a little bit of resentment here and there, but you recognized an opportunity to change the way that you are looking at things, to change your behaviors, to change your action. And I think that 
offers a really beautiful silver lining for fellow parents who are listening, particular fathers who certainly have those moments who may not feel like they can talk about it because, you know, God forbid we admit to some of these thoughts, but it can be a fleeting thought if you're willing to take the action to, to make that perspective shift, as you mentioned, which I think is really, really incredible. Do you feel that in your network that there is some hesitation in coming to terms with or admitting some of those moments of feeling like kids and family are a burden? You know, I do get some comments when I talk about that and you'll have people say, you know, I would never view my kids as a burden or inconvenience. And I'm like, yeah, right. Then you're just not being honest. <laughs> right. I, I think any parent at, at some point would say that. I mean, maybe if you only have one child, then perhaps, but you know, I have four, so four under the age of 12. So, so there are times where they're just simply an inconvenience because there's four of them. Um, right. And they all want my time. They all want my attention. They're all demanding things of me all of the time. And so it just happens that way. But that perspective shift was important. I think, I think I would say this, that at the end of the day, every dad wants to be a better dad. They just don't know how. Hmm. And I think the biggest challenge that most fathers have, and this was just me looking at myself and then surveying hundreds of dads over the last couple of years is that um, not only do they want to be better dads and not know how, I think they have this, this fear of saying, I would rather do nothing than do it wrong. Therefore, I do nothing. And so they're almost paralyzed by this thought process of, I'm so afraid of, of, of engaging my kids wrong or my kids aren't going to like this or this isn't going to work out the way that I want it to. They just don't do anything. Um, and that is far worse than just engaging them. And, and what I found in my own life, and, and I think this has been proven out, is that feelings follow behaviors. Behaviors don't follow feelings. And so there are clearly many times, and I will readily admit in full transparency, that I, don't, I don't feel like engaging my kids for 10 hours on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. There are days where I'm like, I'm exhausted. I've had a heck of a week and I just want to go chill out and have some me time. But I do it. I just get in there. I crank the music up. We have what we call hype in the beginning of a daddy Saturday. We get the music playing. We're jumping around. I wake them up. I got pancakes going. Um, you know, we're having a blast first thing in the morning. And guess what? You move your body, you change your mind, you start to change your behavior and the feelings follow. And before you know it, we're in our day, we're in our groove and it turns out to be amazing. I love that. I mean, it's like any habit building, right? For if we're talking about fitness, if we're talking about business, any positive habit starts with just putting one foot in front of the other. And the next thing you know, you're, you've got that momentum. That's exactly right. And you're using physical fitness. It's a great analogy. Um, I don't know when you choose to work out, but I choose to work out early in the morning so I can get it in. Otherwise it won't happen if I don't do it before the kids wake up. Yeah. So I'm the same way. Same way. Right. So for me, there's a lot of mornings where I necessarily, I don't feel like it, but you know, you get out there and you get on the run and your endorphins get kicking in and you get a little surge of dopamine and pretty, pretty soon you're in it and the feelings follow your behaviors. So it's exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually went through that this morning. I just got back from Los Angeles and I'm back on Eastern time, had a bit of a jet lag situation to deal with. And I woke up feeling like, oh gosh, I just don't want to do this. And I was laying <laughs> face down in my bed thinking, oh, I could just, I could just cancel. But I had an appointment with my personal trainer and I thought, no, that's awful. I can't do that to them. I don't want to leave them high and dry. And so I, I kind of just dragged myself there it was still dark, but the second I got moving, it was like my body just kind of woke up and was like, oh yes, I, I needed this. I've been waiting for it. 
So let's talk about that for a second, because something you said in there is really important. And that's the fact that you, if you were left to your own accountability, there's a chance you might've stayed in bed this morning. But because you had a personal trainer, right? You had accountability built in. You're not trying to do it in isolation. Therefore, um, you were, you went to the gym and you made it happen because you had accountability. And I think that's, that is one of the pivotal keys to any father making a change in their fatherhood is that so often they try and do it in isolation because of what you said. They want to have that external shell. They don't, don't want to let emotions out. They have a hard time admitting and dropping pride and ego and saying, look, I'm not the perfect dad or I'm not the dad that I, that I want to be. I need help. And so if you can get a dad to come into community, which is what Daddy Saturday is all about, community with other dads who want to be better dads and who are admitting they're not where they want to be, but they know that they can get to where they want to go, um, then that isolation broken down is what allows a father to have the accountability to then make the changes in their fatherhood they need to. That's so cool. I, as someone who runs a community, a very different community, I definitely see the power in numbers. And when we show up for each other on the days that we are not sure we can show up for ourselves, it just helps to, to move through obstacles, to feel that you are capable, to feel like you can share wins, which is so important. I don't think we celebrate enough. Yeah, I am. I'm one of the worst about celebrating. And in fact, it's an area that I've, I've put focus on for 2020 because I've achieved some monumental goals this last year. I released a book. Um, you know, we did the TEDx the year before. I've done some amazing accomplishments through Spartan races and some of my physical fitness goals that I had. I ran a marathon for the first time this year. And Samantha, I found myself like literally going from, yep, check the box. All right, what's next? And just right. moving on. And I wasn't pausing to celebrate the, the big wins, let alone the small wins. And I found myself kind of in almost this place of like, mild depression where you're going, man, I'd I'd have a big win. Then I'd come into this point of depression. And I found it was because I wasn't celebrating the wins along the way. I think that's a great analogy for fatherhood or parenting as well is you can't just, you know, get in the rhythm and just continue with your day. It's so important to celebrate those, those small wins for your kids, with your kids as a parent, um, as you go along, because it, it gets easy to get in the rut and the rhythm of just life. And if you're not celebrating the wins, you're missing out. Big time. And it reminds me of something that you wrote in an article. I think it was over the summer. You said, how you do anything is how you do everything, which is a really great perspective, which reminds parents that children are absorbing and observing everything. And I think when we're you know, on the topic of celebration, it's really important to show, to lead by example, that the little wins and the big wins are worthy of celebration. Yeah, can I give something really practical to your listeners that'll, Please. that'll change everything? I mean, this is really great if you have young kids. If you have older kids like teenagers, it'll freak them out, but that's probably even better. And, <laughs> it, and it, it'll really freak them out if you do it well. And that is um, in the morning, first thing when my kids, if, as long as I'm home and I'm home a lot of days, Um, when they wake up, I've already done my morning routine. I've gotten it in. So I'm waking my kids up. And when they come out to our kitchen area, I have like the biggest expression. I also often have music playing. I'm hugging them. I'm tickling them. We're body slamming the boys on the couch. My daughter's like, get away from me. And I'm bothering her. And like, they just outwardly and inwardly see, feel, and experience that dad is here. I love them. You know, I'm, I'm there with them. And like, it's the best thing in the world because they'll run away, they'll turn away, 
uh, my daughter will try and she's 12. She'll try and get away from me. She's like, really dad. And <laughs> at the same time, I can see the smile. I can see the, the affirmation, the security they get from that. Just knowing, Hey, like I'm starting my day. And the first thing I see is my parent. They're smiling at me. So engaged, so happy to see me. And all I've done is basically gotten out of bed at this point. That's so nice. I think about some of the times, even, you know, with my own parents of the memories that I have, the things that have really lasted, the feeling of their presence has really been in those moments of just the eye roll hug that's way too long for comfort, but reminds you that they're there. That's right. Um, you know, and, and if for parents that can't be there in the morning or you can't be there in the, in the evening for bedtime, I think it's there, you know, there's no excuse. There are plenty of ways to be, again, it goes back to intentionality. My mom used to leave, she was a nurse, so she would leave early in the morning to get to the hospital and we would have little sticky notes like almost every single day with a quick little note telling us that she loved us or that my, my sports equipment was over here or she had had breakfast warm and ready to go for us when we woke up. And you know, I'll never forget that. It was so small. She would just take a couple of seconds to write on a sticky note but man, I remember that. I remember some of the notes specifically. And then for those that travel a lot, like take pictures, send a quick text message, put it on your calendar to be intentional to do that during the day to your wife or your husband or your kids and take the time to make that effort. Take one of your kids, if they're young, stuffed animal or something that's important to them, take it with you and take pictures of it on the trip in random places. Like there's so many things you can do just to show them that you care, that you're investing in them, that you're thinking about them. And those little things will make a world of difference. It's so important. How have you become more mindful in your actions? So you talk about the post-its and the pictures, but in your actions and your behaviors in regards to their impact on your children, really what's shifted you know, from now to maybe 12 years ago? Well, I think I have a huge awareness and, and this is something that I'm constantly working on, right? There's, I'm not perfect and I don't think anyone really ever is or will be. And there are certainly times that I'm still triggered or have a reaction where, or a reaction where I should have responded in, in place of that. But for me, it's just, I've got the awareness now. So I'm much quicker to catch myself. I've got ways that I've helped stop some of the triggers. You know, a great example is early on in my parenting, there were times where I would let my circumstances dictate my really reaction instead of response. And, you know, I, I can remember a time where I walked in the house after a long day and I was um, behind on a deadline for work. And so I was feeling insecure, feeling inadequate internally about myself. And yet that internal expression came out in an external way. And my boys were being dis disrespectful to my wife. So instead of, you know, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're fighting in their room and she was telling them to calm down and they weren't listening. And I walked into that, that chaos. And so instead of handling it calmly, like I, I should have, or just let her handle it, I went in there to teach them a lesson and I, I yelled at them. I lost my temper. I lost my cool. I mean, it was totally not the way I ever want to show up as a father. And it was all because of my internal issue with myself that manifested itself on my kids. And see, in the past, I would not have been aware of that. And it just would have been one of those screw up moments where I didn't do the right thing in front of my kids. But now I recognized it. I sat down and said, okay, why am I, why did I have that reaction? And I realized it was because of my own insecurities, my own inadequacies. Of course, I apologized to my kids and we made it right and I restored the relationship. But by doing so and looking in, inward to myself, I've been able to, you know, avoid some of those issues in the future. 
you know, not to get too deep into the topic here, but you're bringing up something that ties back to something that I'm, I'm really passionate about right now. And that's the study of epigenetics and epigenetics are the fact that we look at not just our DNA that we've inherited, but really the, the environment, the relationships, the experiences that our parents and our parents' parents had. And what they're finding is that um, it's not just your DNA that's passed down. Your family members have an imprint on you that has been passed down through the generations. And a lot of what, what most experience is a father wound, unfortunately, and that father wound has been passed down. And so, you know, again, I, I've learned what some of those areas are. I've done self-examination. I've looked at my family. I've seen where those issues are. And I've been able to say, here's something that I want to cut out at the root. I want to eliminate this from my family heritage and history. And so it's going to die here with me and I'm not carrying it forward. Where something else that was amazing. I want to build that into my family and take that forward into our future. Those are really great examples. And you speak so frequently of introspection and the importance of listening inward, which I think is really refreshing. You know, from the outside looking in, it seems to be a topic that is, I think, more and more getting embraced and explored by men, but perhaps has not been one so widely accepted until the last few years. So taking into consideration, of course, that I am a not a man and b not a parent is that something that you would agree with that perhaps you know the concept of introspection within men being a somewhat um less taboo subject if you will oh 100 i think you can look at some really common examples just from culture uh, a great one is look at healthcare. right men are way more reluctant to go and get care when they need it because they're not in touch with their bodies. Females are way more in touch with their bodies and what's going on internally than men are. And men have the issue again of ego or pride. I'll just deal with it or I'll just get over it. And they play the tough guy syndrome and then, you know, they don't get better. So that's, that is absolutely true. I think the other example would be that, um, you know, a lot of times with, with men, again, the ego and the pride thing is so difficult to overcome um, I've actually tried to create in my platform what I call dad envy because a lot of times men are also competitive. And so if you can get them competing, it gets their, that competitive juice inside going a little bit of dad envy can be a positive thing because it gets them moving forward. And so, you know, men are, are interesting creatures. And I think by and large, yes, you're, you're right that most men uh, do have a hard time looking internally, getting in touch with their feelings or their emotions. But I think here's the thing that, that men need to know and what I would say to them. Again, it kind of goes back to that study of epigenetics. And that is you've got emotions inside of you that are lurking deep below the surface and they're there and they're true whether you want to admit it or not. So you better find out what those are and uncover them and deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with. Because if not, it's going to come out at the absolute wrong time, either as an explosion or an implosion and I'd rather be aware of those things than not. That's some real talk. Straight up. Straight up. So for the men who are raising the next generation, either on their own or in partnership, how can they help to tap into that type of introspection and self-reflection within their children? You got to pause and be still. So within themselves, they have to take the time to focus on you. Um, you know, for me, it's that morning time. My first thing I do when I wake up is prayer, meditation, and, and devotion. 
And so I spend an hour doing that and I connect with my creator. And I feel like for me, that time first thing in the morning is how I fill my spirit, fill my emotions. And through meditation and prayer, I have the opportunity to, to get in touch with those things. The, the earth is still, things are quiet. And, you know, I'm able to do that. Journaling is another great way to, to do it. Writing down what you're feeling, what you're experiencing um, there in the moment during that quiet time. And those two things for me have been really powerful. I think the third thing would be then in the evenings at the end of your day, it's kind of looking back and saying, did I show up today the way that I wanted to? Um, and then I would also say another great tip is to ask people in your life, the most important people in your life, how do you experience me? Mm. And that's a really powerful question. Ask your spouse, ask your, your coworkers, ask your family, ask your friends, how do you experience me? And, and when they give you that feedback, um, that can help you see how you're inwardly manifesting outwardly. And that'll give you some keys into what you can deal with. And so you talk about meditating and journaling and just connecting. Are these things that you teach your kids as well? Yeah, far more is caught than taught, Samantha. And <laughs> you know, so my kids, they, although they're not awake a lot during that time of the morning, there's certainly been times where they catch me. They know what my morning routine is. They see me come in um, at the end of my workout and they know that I've gotten that in in the morning and I've encouraged them to do the same. And so um, while they don't do it to the extent that I do it, um, they have started to already pick up on some of those traits. Um, they make their bed first thing in the morning so that they have um, you know, that completed. They do a, a simple gratitude exercise. We think of one thing they're grateful for and they say it out loud. And then the boys like to do a quick little workout first thing in the morning. They do like little push-ups and sit-ups in their bunk beds. And you know, it's <laughs> that's so cute. awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. But it's like they, they're getting the same same habits and rituals that I've built. And that's, you know, if you engage your body, engage your mind first thing in the morning and you do something that you don't want to do, which is make your bed, then mm -hmm. that just engages you for success the rest of your day. I know you've got a different perspective in that you would rather do it wrong than do nothing at all. But do you ever feel the pressure as someone who has publicly put himself out there to kind of say, you know, I can help you raise good kids to be great adults. I can help you become a better father in those moments where you feel like you either, you know, have, have just not handled things the way you would have ideally liked to. Do you feel that pressure given the brand that you've built? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yes and no. I think there are times where um, I'm human. So, you know, knowing that I'll, I'll mess up, but clearly if I'm in a public place and I know that like, I'm not famous or anything, but there are people that, especially in my community that know what we're doing, that know who daddy Saturday is and what we stand for. And, and, you know, I remind my kids quite often, especially in certain environments, Hey guys, remember we are daddy Saturday. And I say we, cause it's not just me. It's we are daddy Saturday. And so people have a certain expectation, a certain standard of how they think we're going to act and behave and how I'm going to discipline you. And we need to be our real selves. We don't need to be fake and be something that we're not, but I just want you guys to be aware that there's a standard. And so, um, and an expectation and a picture that people have painted in their own minds of, of who we are and what we should do. So, you know, there's that, but then at the same time, I mean, if I'm being really honest, yeah, there's pressure. And, you know, for me though, that's, it's, it's kind of cool because it's almost a form of accountability, Samantha. Because it just makes me want to show up and say, look, I can't screw this up because there are other people that are watching me and I need to be the example of the platform. And again, far more is caught than taught. So if they see me doing something, then 
you know, I can try and teach them all day long, but if they see me doing it right, then there's a greater chance they're going to buy in. If they see me doing it wrong or they don't agree with it, then they're not. Yeah, I definitely relate. I mean, as a success coach and change management consultant, I'm kind of, I've built my brand to be one of um, inspiration, one of, you know, if you're going through change, this is how you navigate it. If you're going through tougher times, here's how you can come out successful. So I definitely feel that pressure myself. I think we all do in those situations, Samantha. And, you know, look, I would, again, I would rather do it wrong than do nothing. So I would rather have somebody see me out engaging my kids and maybe they don't agree with what we're doing or how we're doing it than just stand by and do nothing. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, I may have disciplined my kids as an example. And, you know, I, I choose to discipline my kids a certain way. And I try to do it through love and through logic and, and give them grace. But at the same time, you know, there, there are times where like they violate, we call it the, the D's disrespect, disobedience, destructiveness. And, you know, if they're violating those multiples at one time, like dad's going to come down hard, especially if it's in relation to like treating another adult a certain way or my wife a certain way and respecting women. Then if it's my boys, then, you know, I'm going to do that. And I think that that's just something that you have to be comfortable with as a dad. And, and, you know, it goes back to another principle, Daddy Saturday. I have put myself in so many positions. I do it every single day of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. That when I get in those situations, to me, it's, it's just, it's a comfortable place to be because I'm so used to being uncomfortable. I think that's so important in any walk of life, no matter what you're doing, parent, not parent, no matter what your profession is, is extending that comfort zone and feeling comfortable knowing that there are going to be things you encounter for the first time. There are going to be situations in which you, you know, handle differently that if given the chance to do it again, you may have found another route, but that where I think I, I, I don't, not where I think where I've definitely seen on your online presence anyway, is your ability to step up to the table and say, this is what happened. Here's how I handled it. And in retrospect, here's how I could have done things differently. So, you know, you talked about earlier that I feel like with these eyes on me, I can't necessarily screw this up. But in reality, I think you can, we all can, as long as we turn it into a learning lesson and we take ownership of the things that we can improve. That's right. And, and you know, what I found over, over this last couple of years where I've put myself out there publicly is people, I used to think people connected with vulnerability. And I used, to thought I, I used to think that I had to be vulnerable openly, especially in social media, in order to build an audience for people to identify with me. And I struggled with that and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm like, you know, do I need to change who I am just to be more vulnerable? And, you know, if I do something great, do I not want to post that just because, you know, I don't want people to only see my highlight reel and I need to show this, the times where I mess up too. And I, I mean, I, just, I constantly had this inner turmoil with it. And then I came to this discovery that, for me, it's not about vulnerability. It's about transparency because what mm -hmm. I found is that vulnerability is, Hey, I, I, I figured this out. I'm on the other side of it. So now I'm going to tell you how I messed up. Whereas transparency is, Hey, I'm in the middle of this. I'm working on it and you know, I'm constantly improving in it, but you know, I'm only a couple of steps ahead of where you are. And what I found by, by kind of bifurcating that in my, my life and my platform is it's helped a lot of other people come and connect and feel comfortable doing so, especially men, because they're like, gosh, you know, he's right in the mix, just like I am. He's just a couple of steps ahead of me. 
mostly because he's been doing it longer and he's got an intentional focus. I definitely can relate. I mean, I, I'm working with a speaker coach and I really want to take public speaking to the next level. And when I work with her really at the ground level and developing some of the content, I get that same feedback of it, you know, it doesn't feel, I don't necessarily feel the emotion or like, can we be a little more vulnerable? Can you bring us in the trenches with you and bring us back to how you were thinking in that time? And some of those times, like I just can't fabricate, you know, it wasn't necessarily, I didn't feel like I was being dragged through the mud. Like there's no great story of vulnerability and I feel the pressure as well in, you know, at a time where everyone is saying, People connect with vulnerability. I've definitely seen within my own audience that it doesn't have to be the big peaks and valleys. It just needs to be real. It does. And that's the biggest thing is just be real. Just be you. And that's who you are. And, and people look up to that because they see the realness. And I think that's the, a big key for any of us, whether we're you know, trying, to, trying to make a platform or grow a platform on social media like the two of us or you know, make impact change like we both are or just in your real life and in your posts. I think it's important for everyone to be conscious of the fact that there is so much fake news, fake people posting their highlight reel all the time. That's all that they put out there. It's not to say that you, you don't, um, I mean, people are inventing things just to post them as you talked about. They're, they're asking you just to invent something. And in my, I mean, my view, it's just, it's real. It's just me. It's just our family. This is what we do. This is how we do it and kind of take it or leave it mentality. I love it. And I think that those highlight reels or I wouldn't say fabricated stories, but maybe perhaps elaborated versions of, of reality can indeed um, set people and perspectives and opinions and decisions off track a little bit. But you talk about a dad compass. Can you explain what it is and how fathers can use it to actually keep their families pointed in the right direction? Oh yeah, this is right up your wheelhouse, Samantha, because we're going to get into goal setting here in a second. But, um, you know, the big point of the dad, <laughs> <laughs> the dad compass is this. So if, if you think about our technology today, you know, you, people use Google Maps or, or Apple Maps and you know, it's so easy to find your way. And I was recently in a circumstance where we were in a remote area and my wife and I's phones, they, they would not pick up service and Google Maps was just scrolling and we did not know whether to go right or left. And we were so confused and like literally just paralyzed by the fact that we had no, no sense of direction for where we were. And it wasn't until I pulled out my compass on my iPhone and I knew that we had to go east to get back to the interstate based on where we were in our geography. And we just literally followed it due east and eventually we got back to the interstate and were able to find our way and got service again. And I think the same thing is so true in life and, and true in fatherhood and that there are many times where we're going to lose our way and we're not going to have a sense of direction and we're going to come to a crossroads. And frankly, we've got a, a culture that's also out there with a big flashy neon sign and most times is pointing us in the wrong direction. And if you don't have a moral compass, if you don't have a, a mission, vision, values and, and goals for your family, then you know, you're not, it, the Bible says where there is no vision insert the word will perish. And in this case, it's your family or your kids. And that's kind of a bold statement, but I believe it to be true. And that's why a dad compass is so important because it's that true North. It's the grounding for how the bold vision you see for your family being pulled out over time. And then really practical, how you create a dad compass is this, you create a mission statement for your family. 
This is that true north that you're aimed towards. You then create a painted picture. That painted picture is a view of your family 20 or 30 years from today. And it's the character qualities that you see in your family. It's, it's are they married? Who are they, the kind of person they're married to? How is their marriage? How are they in their faith and their health? And, you know, it's not doctor, lawyer, you know, those kinds of things. It's, it's character qualities. How do you see your family at that point? And then you set your family values. Now that you've got your mission and your vision, those values are done collectively. And I'd encourage you to put them up on a, on a wall or somewhere prominent in your house. So you can see those is what you as a family aligned to. And then the, the, the last piece would be goal setting. And I think you've got a phenomenal um, goal setting platform. And you know, the important thing with setting goals is that no one does it. And you know, people ask me all the time, how do you raise good kids that become great adults? I'm like, well, here's something real simple. If you want your kids to be in the top 3% of all people in America, just have them write their goals. And if you want to have them to be in the top 1%, have them do that and review them daily. You mm-hmm. want to be a, have a 1% kid or be in the top 1% of the population, just write your goals down and review them. Like that's so simple. And that's how you have a dad compass because those goals daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, add up to your five and 10 year goals, which can lead you towards that painted picture. And ultimately, if your mission's your true north guiding you along the way, then that's how you raise good kids that become great adults. My business brain is like firing on all cylinders because you've got mission, you've got vision, you've got values, you've got goal setting, you've got a roadmap. <laughs> like, oh my God, this speaks my language. I want a dad compass. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samantha, so you such a great point because that's, that's the thing. Like, why don't we take these positive business tools and bring them into our family and into our, our life as parents. Like those are all incredible things we use in business for very specific reasons. Why would we not do the same thing with our family? And, yeah, big time. You know, so that's, that's what I found. Yes, they're business tools, but they're also uh, very practical tools for life and, and family. Well, they're staying the course tools really. That's right. Because if, if, if you don't have a vision, if you're just walking along the road and, and you know, I, I believe it was um, in Alice in Wonderland, the Cheshire cat said, um, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the dad compass is for. It's to say, you know what, my direction, not my intention determines my destination. So I need to make sure that I'm pointed towards my true north at all times and that any road won't do. I got a very specific road that I want to travel down with my family and my kids. I love it. There've obviously been a lot of things in your life that have prompted you to make these changes as a person, as a father, but what in you or what in your life was the catalyst for starting an international movement? So I saw the change in my family. I saw the change in me. I saw the change in the relationship with my wife um, and certainly the relationship with my kids. And when I recognized what I had, I saw that I had a recipe for success in raising kids. And while I'm not done raising kids, I'm in the middle of it, right? So that's the transparency piece. I recognized that what I had could benefit other fathers. And as I started to prepare for my TEDx and I did a bunch of research on fatherlessness and saw the sheer numbers of kids that don't have a father living in the home, but then all of the kids that have a father in the home, but that are just that disengaged, disenfranchised dad, um, it just lit me on fire. And I knew that that was my calling. That was my burden in, in life that I was to bear was to be a father to the fatherless and to help reignite fatherhood in this country and eventually the world. And 
you know, I'm so honored and thankful that we're really only, if, if, you, if you count the launch of the book as kind of the beginning, we're like seven months into this. Um, we've done so much in seven months and we have so far to go, but it's so exciting. And in fact, we just had our first fatherhood fellow, as we call them, which is our international group. And he's over in Kenya, Africa, Charles Koech. And Charles is helping um, restore fatherhood in Kenya. And this spring, we're all going to go over and meet with Charles and do some speaking and, and help him in his endeavors to restore fatherhood in Africa. So, you know, wow. it started in my backyard and now we're going to Africa. Who would have ever thought? But it's, it's super cool to be a part of it. Good for you and for your community. That's a big win. Celebrate. <laughs> right. We will celebrate. Good. I work with corporate America dads who genuinely believe that they just don't have the time to make positive changes in their life, to be a better father to their kids. And the intention is there. The love is there. Don't get me wrong. But the time just seems to lack. And so for those dads who are listening in, what advice would you have for them? Well, first of all, I would say I can empathize with them because I've, I've been there. I was there for a long time in, in my career and in my life with my kids. So 100% understand where they're coming from. I'd also say that um, in my survey of several hundred fathers looking at their satisfaction, one of the top things that came out was that time tension between work and home. And so they're also not alone in the fact that there are pretty much every other man out there is doing with the same thing. Time, tension, and communication are the top two issues most men struggle with. So with that being said, I would also give them some tough love and say, I think it's an excuse. And I think that if you're being intentional, um, there are plenty of ways to either eliminate things from your life that are taking you away from your family. And so, you know, are you going out for a business meeting after hours? Um, and do you really have to go out for the business meeting after hours? Most corporate companies today have meetings to have meetings to then have meetings. Do you have a formula for running a meeting, especially if you're a leader that allows you to create efficiency during your day, probably eliminate half the meetings you have that you don't need so that you can free up time to be home to your family on time for dinner and to be, you know, to have an hour or two in the evenings with them. And then the last piece is on the weekends, you know, I think all dads have a choice to make. I've, cho I've chosen to sacrifice my social life, sacrifice things like golf, sacrifice other achievements that I might've wanted to do because they all pull me away from my family. Mm. And so for me, those Saturdays, I prioritize my family. I put them first and I said, I'm going to be intentional. And so it's not to say that you have to do it every Saturday, dads, you can have time for you. And that's really important too. But the point is when I hear somebody say, I just don't have the time, just like anything else, people participate in what they pay for. They also are very good about um, creating time for what they want to create time for. And Absolutely. so, you know, I think it goes back to our very first statement. All dads want to be better dads. They just don't know how, and they would rather do nothing than do it wrong. Therefore they do nothing. And so to me, time is a smoke screen for one of those other factors. Mm. And for the dads listening who are thinking, wow, this Daddy Saturday movement is exactly what I need, what I've been waiting for, what I've been looking for. Where can they learn more about you and what you're working on? Yeah, thank you. So a couple of ways. Um, number one is the website, daddysaturday.com. It's kind of the central hub for all things Daddy Saturday. They can access all the resources there. We've even got a community that we're launching where dads can connect with other dads within daddysaturday.com. 
around areas of interest, areas of special focus. So think of um, you know, fathers with special needs kids or could be a fraternity, could be first responders, uh, you name it, right? Any group that has commonalities, you can start a group, join a group. It's a really great way to reduce that feeling of isolation. And then uh, through all social media, we're on Instagram. Uh, the kids love our YouTube channel. So get your kids hooked up in that um, on Alexa, just in, ask for the daddy Saturday skill and Alexa will hook you up with great activities for your kids. And then that's so cool, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we've got some, some really cool stuff coming out too around that. And then the last thing is we just got done with a shoot yesterday. In fact, for a product called dad boss, that'll be coming out. It's a seven series module. that's all about reigniting your fatherhood and it is killer partnered with some amazing other dads to produce it. Um, and that'll be out around the March timeframe. And it'll be a great digital product to help dads give them a foundation for fatherhood. And for the women listening who are thinking, you know what, this is a movement that I could definitely get behind and they want to support the fathers in their life, whether that's their partner, their brother, anyone, their colleague, how can women be of support? So I actually put a little section in the book directed towards mothers, wives, and daughters, because I feel like, as, as we referenced early on, there are a lot of women out there who tend to be the decision makers or can help get things in front of their husband that they know that they need or their dad. And so um, I would ask that the women out there listening take advantage of the platform and in, in a very gracious way say, hey, I saw this thing online or I heard this podcast on this really cool chick that I listened to, Samantha Chris, and <laughs> recommended this um, this platform called Daddy Saturday. It seems like something really fun you and the kids would enjoy. And I'll tell you, moms listening, the benefit for you is your husbands are going to take the kids away and you're going to get some you time. So for the moms listening, you have a stake in this because if you're going to get any petty or you want to take a nap or you just want to meet with your girlfriends, especially on Saturdays, if the husband takes all the kids, you got some you time. So you have a stake in this too. I'm selling you on it. And then the final thing I would say is for the single moms out there, man, I, I have so much respect for you. I have so much heart for you. And while I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a guy, I recognize that some of these resources could clearly also help you as a single mom. And so I would encourage you to take advantage of the resources to help you be intentional with your kids and also potentially pull in other father figures that can help support your kids from that perspective as well. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to make sure to drop the links daddysaturday.com in the show notes, as well as the link to your book, to your TED talk. There's so much more. We just scratched the surface today, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Samantha. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.